Blog Talk Radio. I stroll through the pictures What I've left behind You once again I'm locked up in memories They all intertwine The memories in In my mind I know tomorrow Cause that dawn will come You will never know what you've done Well, good evening, everyone. I'd like to welcome you to the Stop Child Abuse Now talk radio show sponsored by NASCA, which stands for the National Association of Adult Survivors of Child Abuse. Today is Monday, February 27th, 2023. This is scan number 3126. My name is Snoppy Bennett, and I am from Sarasota, Florida. On my host team this evening is Kim Lakin from Colorado. I'm always so thrilled to have Kim um, with me um, to host these shows. I'd also like to welcome, um, we have a growing panel Philip from California. Philip, it's great to see your name um, on the studio here. So welcome, Philip. And we have a great show planned tonight. Before I talk about our general discussion show this evening, I wanted to tell you a little bit more about NASCA and our mission. If you're interested in being involved in our panel this evening and uh, being able to ask questions and contribute to the show, um, all you need to do is call in to the following number, area code 646-595-2118. Again, that's area code 646-595-2118. It's just a simple phone call. And my co-host, Kim, will greet you on our back line and welcome you into the show. Um, so please, um, no experience necessary, just a curiosity and willingness to get involved. Because NASCA, we are a very... Uh, very proud organization. We stand firmly behind our mission. Um, we are all about child abuse, trauma prevention, intervention, recovery. We have a single purpose at NASCA, and it's to address issues related to childhood abuse and trauma, including sexual assault, violent or physical abuse, emotional traumas and neglect, and we do so with only two goals. The first goal, educating the public, especially as related to helping society get over its taboo of discussing Childhood Sexual Abuse, abbreviated CSA, presenting facts showing child abuse to be a pandemic, worldwide problem that affects everyone. The second goal of offering, we offer hope and healing through numerous paths, providing many services to adult survivors of child abuse and information for anyone interested in the many issues involving prevention, intervention, and recovery. So please call in tonight and be a member of our 
panel this evening. It gives you an opportunity to get involved in the show, um, to ask questions, um, and join our general discussion. The number is 646-595-2118. So how does a general discussion so work? Well, it's all about NASA and our mission. And those of you who do call in, um, and as you call in to form a panel, um, we'll uh, describe and um, we'll be uh, critical of NASCA's tools, programs, services. Um, We'll discuss everything that NASCA has to offer on its website. So uh, on these episodes we offer, uh, we welcome various co-hosts of our professionals who will assist in building questions and lead a variety of topics suggested by our call-in participants. That's you. So uh, our trauma-informed perspectives as survivor professionals will help guide discussions on the issues of child abuse, trauma, and healthy human sexuality that spring from questions and topics brought to us by our listeners. So everybody's in, uh, invited. So thank you, uh, Bill, for just putting <laughs> putting this up um, on the page of the studio. I appreciate it. And I know I can see that Phil, uh, excuse me, Phil is on, and Bill, um, our founder and president of NASCA, is on as well. So, Bill, thank you for calling in and supporting our show tonight. Appreciate it. And so, Philip, since you called in, um, I'm wondering, is there anything that you particularly have on your mind that you want to talk to about talk about tonight? Um, I had something in mind earlier today, but it's not on my mind right now, so maybe in a couple of minutes I'll remember. Okay, absolutely. Well, yeah, once, <laughs> once that pops back into your mind, you just let us know. Um, that would be That would be great. We're here and we're, you know, we're... Kim and I and Bill, we're all uh, adult survivors of child abuse, and we've all had um, experiences um, with uh, different forms of child maltreatment. And um, we've also experienced the, uh, the effects of that um, trauma um, in, uh, as we um, developed um, and evolved um, into adulthood. Uh, so while our experiences might all be slightly different, a lot of the times the feelings are, are largely the same. And, and NASCA and this show is a safe platform to talk about um, our experiences and, and, and our journey um, as we um, continue to live in this world um, as adults who have the child abuse um, and, uh, and continue on the path of, of healing and helping and helping, um, and voicing, and, uh, and voicing the issue, um, which I think is so important, and we need to continue to voice to bring awareness to how important it is uh, to talk about um, uh, child abuse um, and all the aspects that surround child abuse and the, uh, and the effects of child abuse. So many adults walk, are walking around this, this planet um, who have still not spoken, even spoken, of some of their childhood um, trauma and abuse. And uh, it's important. It's important to, to bring it out um, and, to, and to address it. And these shows, um, normally the shows are five nights a week, from 8 to 9.30 Eastern Standard Time. And normally on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we have what we call a special guest night where anyone 
can come on and, and tell their story of, um, of their experience of, of child abuse in, in childhood. And it's a really nice platform to be able to, uh, to discuss um, one's experiences with a panel and with the host who have walked in similar shoes. Um, and talking about it and bringing it out is just so important. Um, so with that being said, I don't know, Philip, if, that's, if, if you've had anything else come to mind, um, but I do like to start out with just uh, talking about why, you know, our mission is why we do this work and why are we here. And I thought, personally, I thought, well, it happened in the past, you know, get over it. When I was younger and growing up in my teenagers and my adult years, I thought that if I, if I just didn't think about it, you know, that I could erase the experience. Um, and I found out in my lifetime that that was not the case, that um, you cannot erase um, uh, trauma um, and that you have to bring it out and address it. Um, and it was, was not until I was 46 years old, um, and I, I just collapsed from exhaustion. I'd been carrying all, all that experience inside, and I needed to bring it out and, and deal with it um, so that I could uh, begin to heal from it. So um, that's why I think it's so important to talk about it. So we, we break the silence and we, we allow the conversation to take place. So with that being said, I don't know, Kim, if you have any thoughts on that, if we're, we're, what, any other ideas on, uh, on conversations that we can start to, uh, um, to continue a dialogue on in this show um, tonight, if there's anything that comes yeah. to mind or top of mind discuss well I think um, not that I didn't but then when Philip said he can't remember and I kind of chuckled because I just read the other day that that is that can be partly from abuse as well from trauma is that your brain doesn't always click on at the right time you know it just can't always mm-hmm. think and so it's more common for trauma children that had trauma um, as adults, when they, then they have a hard time remembering stuff. And I, I just thought that was perfect to possibly bring up since Philip did. <laughs> you brought it up and you didn't even know it. So. But hmm. so I, I guess also I wanted to say, Philip, don't go alone because we forget all the time. And mm-hmm. I have for years as well. I have a hard time. Sometimes, I, and I think that's a good way for me to describe it is that my brain just doesn't click on at the right time. <laughs> you know, I'm not real mm-hmm. fast with mm-hmm. responses. I'm not, you know, I, and I have a hard time remembering stuff a lot of times, even if it was just that day. And then somebody will say, oh, this happened, you know, remember when this happened 10 years ago? And I can maybe remember it, but maybe not. You just never know. <laughs> Oh, depends on what it was. Um, you know, you, thank you for bringing that up, Pam, because, yeah, thank you for bringing that because I think, for me, I know that in order to survive what I experienced in childhood, at the time, and as I was a child being abused, I complete. I mean, I dissociated, you know, I completely split from my body. And I still find myself, I'll go in and out, you know, if there's something that is triggering me or upsetting me, I mean, I'll completely just shut that, shut down. 
And I don't even remember what someone said to me, you know, a minute ago, because I will completely just leave the conversation. Um, yeah. And I have to sometimes, I, my, in therapy, my therapist called them pit stops. You know, well, that's okay. You know, you're taking pit stops. It might take you longer to get from <laughs> point A to point B. But, but yeah, I take pit stops. And also, I, I, I know what you're saying, because um, I've lost decades in childhood. I don't remember. I don't, my kids often remember, yeah. you know, pulling anecdotes in my childhood, and I can't remember anything. There are periods, of, long periods of time throughout my life that I just don't remember anything. Um, and I, I know and that that's not uncommon. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that is coping. Um, yeah. So I don't know if, if, you know, what you were describing earlier is, is a part of you know, dissociation, but I tend to wonder if it, yeah. you know, recall is just because we, we've, we trained our brains to shut off, you know, to survive. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that I've associated it so much until even more recently. Mm-hmm. I've been doing it for a long time. <laughs> mm-hmm. I could also be getting early Alzheimer's. You never know. <laughs> uh, I don't think so. Um, no. <laughs> I think, but I do. I do think. I do think that you know the brain. I, I I use the terms you know disintegrate. You know it disintegrates when we're you know as a really as a part of dissociation. You know it's just we're not. Um, Yes, centered. I don't know how else to put it. There was another word I used to use for it and see, there I go again, I can't remember. But, um, you know, I really have to calm the mind, right, and to bring myself back into equilibrium. Um, and that's, that's that takes practice. You know, it's a day, it's, for me, that's daily work um, to, um, to reintegrate, you know, to reintegrate the mind. And, uh, and so um, when I tend to have more stress going on in my life, I notice that I, my mind wanders and I'm more scattered. Um, that comes with the, the you know, stress and, and, and especially if there's extreme stress. Um, maybe, maybe integrated is, is a term that I use for the brain, but um, that is pretty common. And you've had a little bit of stress so, going on. Mm-hmm. Just yeah, a little. yeah, yeah, just a little bit this year, yeah, Aww. right. But that that was also part of the beauty of of going through recovery, and and I did therapy was, I mean, stressful events never stop coming if you're living in this world, and it's really how you 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 develop tools to address them, you know, to to try and you know address them in a in a balanced way, and. and and he get those tools to, you know, his life just comes at you. You can't stop life from happening. You just have to. Right. Dis- <laughs> He's coming. Yeah, go ahead, Philip. This association is a symptom of PTSD. Mm-hmm. Yes, thank you. Just say that. It is. It is. It's- Do you, is there anything else you can say about about um, that bit of information that you just shared? For for those that are listening that may not be familiar with how that would relate, 
Um, PTSD is a disorder in which a person has difficulty recovering after experiencing or witnessing a terrifying event. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. And as Kim explained, dissociating means, you know, really sort of separating yourself from removing the memory from your brain. Um and it's a really a coping technique. Um, and I think it's a brilliant way that the mind protects the self from harmful and hurtful, har- harmful traumas. Um, it's a survival technique. And children dissociate um, as a survival technique during, during child abuse in order, in order to survive their environment. Um, and so, um, Philip, thank you for bringing that up because... Um, you know, those that have served our country, bravely served our country, um, are not the only ones that are prone to um, experiencing PTSD as an effect of their experiences. Children um, yeah, who have been abused, you know, children who are abused can also experience PTSD. Um, and that is something that... Um, you know, I have um, something I manage. I have PTSD, and um, I manage that. Um, and that is part of the effect of child abuse. Um, Do you take an SSRI for it? No, I don't. I don't. Um, I... Uh, not that I didn't want to. I have a very um, unusual component of my metabolism. I really can't take any medicine at all. I cannot tolerate. My body doesn't metabolize. Um, so because I could not, um, I could not have a pharmaceutical as a therapeutic option, I had to find other modalities to, spur, you know, to help me manage um, the um, the PTSD. So, and that was hard to find what would help. Um, but I did. I actually do. I do um, um, therapy. Um, I do. Um, um, I don't think that my um, PhD in psychology, rather a doctor, um, my psychologist actually has a specific kind of therapy. I, it's just talk therapy. I've been seeing the same. Um, I've been very fortunate for um, since I began my healing journey, which has been six years. And um, I also um, practice mindfulness meditation. And I do a lot of outdoor exercise, and which really helps. Um, and the other thing that really helps is actually volunteering and doing the activism work through NASCA because Taking action is actually a great, for me, has been a great healing modality to actually do something. Um, so those are the things that I've, I've done that help me manage my PTSD. And I would also, all, and I think they're all components that I can't say like one helps more than the other. I think combined, is, they've all helped me um, through this process and continue to help me. Thousands of Ukrainian soldiers are suffering with PTSD. 
Mm-hmm. I can't imagine. Yeah. Got to be so hard. And horrific. Bi- bipolar, clinical depression, or with eight conditions. Mm-hmm. So has your PTSD gotten better? Yes, um, it has. And I, for me, and of course everybody's journey is different, um, but for me what I realized is especially um, on the onset of going through, you know, um, my healing process, um, for me it got, you know, it, it got darker before the dawn, so I was really struggling especially when I, I hit a wall, you know, I collapsed when I was 46, basically, because I'd been carrying, um, you know, decades of extreme, you know, child abuse inside, you know, I'd repressed so much. And so um, I would say it was pretty severe. Um, you know, I was just living my trauma um, to the point of collapse. And um, so I was going to say it's before the dawn. And then once I started doing all the... Um, you know, the therapy and the work um, to ask, to, to answer your question. It's not like it just got, it did get better. It didn't get better overnight, but it slowly and slowly and slowly became more manageable. And I would say, um, I wouldn't say I'll ever be completely healed. I just don't believe that. I think that life is, I think that just staying um, centered and staying, you know, my brain staying integrated and staying, you know, calm and balanced and trying to stay as balanced as I can and not managed by triggers. It's just daily work. Um, I've got to put in the work every day in order to, to maintain um, homeostasis, if you will. Um, so I told myself that, you know, if you expect yourself to be healed one day and that's your goal, you might always, you might be setting yourself up for failure, you know. So for me, success was, you know, is every day getting a little easier to manage, even though I know I'm going to have to manage this for the rest of my life. And the answer was, well, if I keep doing the work and I keep doing all the things that are helping me, then the answer was yes. You know, it got easier and easier and easier to manage. So for me, I can say I feel, you know, that it's, my life has never been better, you know. Um, I'm not managed by my PTSD symptoms, you know. I'm not managed by my triggers. Um, but I can't say that I'm completely healed, you know. I, I don't think that that's even um, a reasonable expectation, right? Um, so um, for myself, um, but as long as every day I'm managing it and every day it's not a little bit easier, um, then I'm going and, you know, things are going well. Does that make sense? Um, yes, it makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I just felt I would set myself up for disappointment if I, and, and, and I'd feel failure if I expected, you know, to just snap my fingers one day and, you know, everything would be just be gone. Um, you know, that all of, all of my PTSD symptoms would just be completely gone and would never come back. 
to haunt, you know, to, to be a part of my, my daily life. Um, and once, because for a long time that was my goal, I just wanted to be, I kept telling myself, I just want to be well, I want to be normal, I don't want to be, I don't want to have any triggers, you know, I don't want, but, um, and I did, you know, I dove into the work and, you know, I did so much therapy and I did so much, you know, of everything. And I just, I think I just put myself on a time frame and I just I finally realized and part of my, part of the journey was realizing um, to be gentle with myself and just to stay the course. And if things, you know, if I was able to um, be less symptomatic every day or have less episodes every day or be, you know, um, have less, you know, notice less triggers every day. If I just, not every day, but, you know, on a, over time, that that would be, I would be, you know, going in the right, going in a, in a place where that I'd be reaching a, a different kind of a, a um, I don't know, a journey, a part of my life. You know, I'd be on the other end of it, if you will, of the healing. I wouldn't be, you know, I would, I'd be able to start looking back. Um, but, you know, um, and on the other side of it, if that makes sense. And I am on the other side of it. But, again, I just felt like to have the goal of just saying, you know, it's totally, you know, I'm, I'm, my PTSD is in the past. Is, um, um, or, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I don't have any more symptoms. I have no more. My triggers are gone. I just, um, that was, that did not, be, that did not remain my goal. You know, my goal is just to be able to, um, manage them um, and and um, and they're not as noticeable, and they don't they don't manage my life. That makes sense. I just want everybody to think. I feel like it's important to say, you know, healing is not Some a ten point. shows are not, for me. Pardon me. Some TV shows are a trigger for me. Yeah. Yeah. And so, when you know that they're a trigger for you, is that information for you? How do you how do you handle that? Um, I just try to leave the room. I'm sorry. Can you say that again? I had a hard time hearing. That's probably my phone. I just tried to leave the room. Yeah, exactly. Leave the room. Exactly. What do you do for your triggers? Um, well, I notice that I'm being triggered because sometimes I don't even know what was going on with me, and then I'm like, or or what that you know. Then I sometimes I would just be reactive to something, and I wouldn't understand why I was being reactive or what the you know what caused the reaction. So um, I had to get to the point where I actually was able to identify my triggers. And then, um, and you, you're doing that. You're identifying your triggers. And then when I do, um, I take some breath and I just, um, you know, usually like you said, leave, right? Something's triggering me. I just uh, separate myself from it. And I might say, well, why, you know, why is this triggering me? 
especially if it's a, a new trigger, because I still get new triggers. You know, I think I, I know what triggers me, and then there's something new happens. And and the reason that something new happens is a lot of my abuse happened when I was asleep. So I don't really know where the triggers come from. I just know that they're happening. So I get curious about them. And then when I can identify what the trigger is um, and I get a little curious about it, then I just remove myself from it or I try and understand why it's triggering me. And sometimes knowing why helps to manage them as well or sometimes even what was a prior trigger isn't a trigger anymore. But that's not always the case. I have triggers. I have one trigger that is just it's always been a trigger and I think it'll it might always be one and it just is what it is. So I just walk away from it. Can I mean, you have any triggers? So anyway. Oh yeah. And I was gonna say to Penelope, I think that and Philip that I think we We've got to always be on the alert and and watch out for those types of things because we're aware that we do get triggered because we can't control anybody else out in the world. And, mm-hmm. you know, like, like you guys are saying, there's always, there's always going to be a trigger. We can't live in a trigger-free world, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah, exactly. But, um, yeah, and I think, well, I think one of my big ones, Philip, answer to your question is um, just being treated like I don't know anything. That's how I felt that I've been treated in my marriage for so long, is I really don't know anything and I don't have a say in anything. And um, and that's been a huge fight with my daughters as well, because my children see how I was treated for so long, that they, that's just, it's kind of like the whole abuse thing, you know, when, when your children are raised a certain way, and I wasn't in a position emotionally or mentally at all to um, address things that weren't right in my marriage early on, and so it's, you know, kind of, in the long run backfired, even though I tried to just keep my mouth shut. You know, I just tried to please everybody because that's all that I wanted to do was <laughs> make everybody happy. I wanted the happy house and the happy kids and the happy husband. And um, and the reality was it, it wasn't, it wasn't that. But, um, and unfortunately, now when I should be able to have a really good relationship with my kids, especially my daughters who have kids of their own. You know, I, I even talk, I'm staying with an aunt of mine now, and um, she just can't even hardly believe the way my kids talk to me. And I know that it's just because I just, I didn't want them to be afraid of me. And so I always try to, you know, they're good, they're good people out in the world, but they don't have a whole lot of respect for me because of, the way they've been allowed to kind of just treat me all these years. So that's a big trigger. That's the long, the long way around to, to your question, Philip. That's one of them, anyway. Mm. Okay. <laughs> but, no, that's important for you. And like we've talked about, it's so important because you're so, you're in a, 
a place in your life right now where you can make different decisions. And you are already. You're already a part of the show and, you know, engaging and trying to figure out where you're going to fit out, fit out there in the big wide world and, um, and how to be healthy, which is huge. There's not a whole lot of you out there. <laughs> so be proud of yourself. Okay. You're doing good. <laughs> um, Penelope, do you have any kids? I'm sorry, Philip. Did what was that question? Penelope, do you have any children? I do. I do. I have um, three sons. Um, they are 19, 20, and 21 years old. And yes, and I can relate to what Kim is saying because. When um, when your children grow up, um, are born into and grow up in, into an environment, um, they really absorb um, what they witness, um, and parents are modeling what kids think is normal. You know, the way the parents interact, the patterns that we have, kids just, you know, that's what they're learning as what's acceptable and normal. So, you know, if if there's um, verbal, you know, maltreatment, verbal abuse going on in the home, and the kids are going to, that's what they're going to adapt. That's what they're going to think is acceptable. And um, they might not even be realizing, you know, even as adults, you know, that, that it's not okay because that's what they just grow up as thinking is the way that the dialogue, you know, the way that mom is spoken to or the way that dad is spoken to or the way that the parents, you know, their dialogue with each other. So those things are, you know, the longer it goes on as well, they're very deeply ingrained. Um, and it's it's difficult to change the dialogue and change, you know, change the, the conduct, the behavior. So, anyway, but to answer your question, I know I'm going on a tangent, is yes, I have three sons. <laughs> okay. 19. Well, yeah, 19 older ladies like yeah. yeah. I'm sorry, what, Philip? I was going to ask about what you were talking about anyway. Okay. So, yeah, so... <laughs> um. One of the things that I did during when I started um, doing the work to heal, um, this was six years ago, I realized that what I'd grown up with, especially the way I was treated and spoken to, um, was actually not respectful, was actually verbally abusive, but I thought it was normal. And so the dialogue and and my marriage had continued that you know the same type of dialogue from my childhood had continued on in my marriage. I just allowed I really just I never challenged, you know, um my husband and the way he was speaking to me. And he had grown up in a similar household where, you know, that's what he learned. He learned that, you know, the parents did not speak to each other respectfully and he thought that was normal. So one of the first things I did during therapy is um, 
I mean, I identified that it really hurt, you know, it hurt to be, I mean, it was very deep pain um, to be spoken to in that, in that way, you know, to be verbally abused. Um, and um, so I started learning, I was taught um, by my therapist how to address it, you know, and how to change the dialogue. So that's been really hard work because, I'm with, you know, I can really resonate with what Kim was saying because there was a time that my husband and my three sons, it's like I had it cut for, you know, I had it coming at me from four different voices of just a way of really be, you know, very disrespectful and mean, you know, treatment. Remember one day I just was, I was just sobbing on the floor. I just, just was getting it in all directions. I don't know how to describe it. It was just such a low feeling. Um, like I would never escape it. Um, but that's when I took action too, you know, and I I worked with someone and I, you know, it's it's taken years, but I finally made some progress in, um, in changing some of the patterns. Um, and, and um, you know, we all, change is messy and it wasn't easy and it was there was a lot of you know um uh messiness i guess there was a lot of uh change back reactions is the clinical term when you actually try and make a shift in pattern and in, in behavioral patterns um when there's a shift when someone's driving a shift those that are not you know part of you know part of that um I guess initiating the shift of the, you know, initiating the change, they will highly react to that. Like they want things to just be the be the same. They don't want them to change. So you get a call a change back reaction. Like I don't want you changing. I want you to change back to the way you were, if that makes sense. That's, so you do. Do you understand that concept? That's something that has to be done gradually, huh? Yeah, yeah, it happens gradually, and so it's 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 it's. I've it's you know it's not perfect it's not but it's the shift is the shift has started to happen in the right direction um and uh and if I'm you know so now I and I have I have you know if I don't like the way I'm being spoken to you know and if I calmly um you know address the the way I'm being spoken to and if and if I if the behavior towards me doesn't change, I do. I just walk away. Because I've learned, no, I've learned, no one has to stay in a situation where they're being hurt. You don't have to. You actually don't have to stay. You don't have to. You know, you don't have to um, experience it. You have. You have the power to walk away. In the um, yeah, and I think that's something I had a hard time with for a long time. So up too is, you know, just knowing that I had the right to not take that. I had the right to walk away. I just stopped it. I didn't. Well, it's I easy to say, so hard to do, right, Kim? It's easy it's, to say, it's so it hard. Is, yeah, just, exactly. Just here? Yeah. So hard. Um, 
that's something that I've been doing recently is with my mentor. I've been standing up for myself, and it's something that definitely has to be done gradually. It's good that you're taking those steps. It's not is easy someone though. helping? No, it's not easy. I used to tell myself, though, when I was having a hard time with something like like you just said, it's not easy. I would always tell myself, well, that's a good sign because if it's not easy that I'm doing something different, you know, I'm making some changes. And change can be difficult, but it's not impossible. Whenever I was experiencing that felt hard or that wasn't easy, I kept reminding myself, you know, well, that's indicative of making a change, so that's a good thing. Discomfort's good. Something that's hard is actually, for me, but it's not easy for me, it's a good thing. You know, it means that there's, there's growth. That's one way to look at it. That's a good way of looking at it. That helps me. Thank, Thank you. you. Oh, you're welcome. <clears throat> That's why I think they also call it a journey. You know, I mentioned earlier, I just found that I was setting myself up for failure if I put timelines on things. Um, because changing making changes, healing, it's it's a journey. It takes time it's a time it's a time it's like a long it's a long road, you know, it's a long road with a lot of twists and turns. And um you don't just get to go from point A to point B. You know, it's it's not, you know, this is not the Olympics. This is not a you know this is not a short, you know, the hundred meter dash. This is just a long, long, long uh, ride. It's a long, slow jog. Um, and as long as I kept telling myself, as long as I'm putting one foot in front of the other, even if they're little baby steps, means I'm going somewhere. So, but I just found that I, I kept putting, you know, I kept trying to make things you know, time bound. I kept trying to put, you know, timelines on different things. And just, I think I finally realized I set myself up for failure. You know, I think everything, as long as you're doing the work, as long as you're making baby steps, just remind yourself you're, you're getting, you're getting somewhere, you're going somewhere. And that's, you know, that's a good thing. Just keep, keep going. I think part of the problem is not standing up for yourself or for me, not saying it for myself right away when an issue arises. Mm-hmm. Well, it's practice. It's practice. I've gotten... I've, I understand what you're saying. And I think that it takes time to even... You know, like I said, I didn't even, you know, I had to, I had to, you know, I had to even discern what was a trigger, you know, what was an issue. Not, that was even a, that was even work to even get to the point where I could realize that there were things coming up. 
and I missed a lot of them. I even, you know, so it's okay. You know, you just have to. That's okay. You know, that's why it's it's just it's it's a it's a journey. It's a road. So where did you eventually learn new healthy habits from? Who did you learn healthy habits from? Kim or Penelope? Kim, you want to start with answer with that one? Yeah. Um, I well, I think that I just started to realize Marshall on my own. I think what I always wanted was somebody who would help me kind of walk that journey a little bit, and that's not what I got, and so. It took a lot longer um, because I didn't have a partner with me at a very young time in, you know, our developing adulthood. I was only 22 when I got married, and um, and so that's pretty young. And we could have grown together in a way that helped me to start to realize that. I think to some degree, God helped me realize that a a long time ago because I knew that I would be doing this kind of work somewhere along the way. I just didn't know what that would look like. So I think God did give me that vision a long time ago that I would be able to start, you know, helping and making a difference and, um, and doing something that's really meaningful and not just a regular job. And um, I think that for a long time I thought that that was my work in the church, but I think doing things like this is more healing, definitely volunteering for NASCA and and even doing my classes that I get paid for. It's so much more of a healing path then just hoping it's going to come along, you know, or if I would have had somebody with me. So I think that that's important to tell, you know, I don't know, to tell young people, is to find somebody who you can really take this journey on because your journey isn't easy. Well, nobody's is really. We're all complicated, but (laughs) we've all got different issues. So, um, but how you can grow together and, and um, so that you're not stifled and not able to grow for a long time. Like I think I felt I was. I just couldn't because I didn't, I wasn't in that space. I wasn't given that freedom. Really, I had to be a certain way because I married somebody who wanted that person. Well, and so did I, actually, at the beginning. I did, too. But I think that was my naivety a little bit, just not knowing exactly how how to achieve the life that I wanted. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I, we can get Babylon out, Philip. So <laughs> did that answer your question at all? Um, kind of. Did God help her? 
find a good trauma-informed therapist, that can make a huge difference. So I was very fortunate that I found a very good, you know, trauma-informed psychologist. As I mentioned, he's a PhD in psychology. He's also an ordained Lutheran pastor. So he um, has, um, I am a Christian. We're not a religious organization. NASCA is a fully nonprofit 501c3 organization. We are not affiliated with any political party or any uh, religion, so I'm just speaking on my own behalf. Um, but I am, that was a big part for me also was um, to have the guidance of a, a spiritual leader, a father as well. Um, so I went to the priest at my church. I'm Greek Orthodox. In addition to um, my psychologist, who also happens to be um, an ordained Lutheran um, priest, so um, um, I felt that his advice was grounded in, in Christianity as well. 
Um, that again, that's not on behalf of NASCO. That is my own my own opinion and my own my own preference. Um, but I do think that trauma informed trained therapists um, are helpful for um, anybody that's experienced trauma. So that I'm a big believer in therapy, and it's um, I think you have to find the right fit. I think you have to. For me, I I over years I implicitly trust um, my therapist, um, and that's a relationship. And I think that we know when we feel comfortable with someone and when we don't. And um, but I was very fortunate to to be able to find somebody that I that is you know, very, very um, knowledgeable, obviously, has a lot of clinical years of experience behind him, and that I could really feel that I got trust. And if you have someone you can trust, it's amazing. Um, for me, that was helpful in being able to finally disclose and bring out all the repressed memories that I had been. I'd never forgotten them. I just... I. I had never spoken them. I had never allowed myself to, to say what had, what had happened to me. Um, and it was finding that one person. Um, so I would, um, I would recommend that. Um, but, well, not recommend it. I would just say that, that has really helped me. So um, I hope that, I don't know if that answered your question or not, but... Um, And I think you have to have people in your life that, you know, like people I've met through NASCA, you know, that that are really, I've met some people that have really inspired me and showed me through what they've done, through the work that they've done, um, have really inspired me to know that there's life, you know, um, after abuse and you can still have had these experiences and do amazing, incredible things. Um, and so I've been so that's really, really also been a big part of it is just the example and really observing and learning and being inspired from the examples that I've, that I've, you know, been able to witness through, through the work that I've done, um, within NASCA. So speaking of NASCA, we have Nancy has joined us. So Nancy. Welcome. Your line is unmuted. Um, good, good evening. Hi. Good evening, everyone. How are you all? Pretty good. 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 Mm-hmm. Good. I'm I'm coming in a little late. I'm not a hundred percent sure where everything is, but um, I did like what I heard about uh, what Miss Penelope was sharing. I think it is very important for us to you know, focus on our healing and find the best pathway that works for us. Um, so definitely if, you know, um, NASCA is definitely not associated with any religion, but uh, if that's part of your recovery, then that's a wonderful thing. Finding a trauma-informed therapist is also very, very great. Doing things for your self-care are wonderful things, and I believe that, you know, as you walk in your recovery and your healing, that you will uh, as well, that that example, that recovery is possible and really give people hope that they too can recover. 
So I think you're doing a great job. Stella, I love hearing when you're on the show with us. Uh, you're so inspirational. And um, and just, you know, keep doing what you're doing. But, again, I'm not sure if I missed a particular question. This is what I just walked in on. And I just wanted to say that I'm totally in agreement with that, just focusing on uh, what healing works best for you, what makes you, what helps you to feel better, what helps you to feel healthier and whole, surrounding yourself with people that love you, people that respect you, and people that do not trigger you or make you feel less than, staying away from toxic people, and surrounding yourself with love and support and encouragement. That's key for recovery and not to be triggered. Mm-hmm. Mm. Thank you for joining us, Dr. Nancy. <laughs> You're very welcome, Philip. My pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you, Nancy. Thank you, Dr. Nancy. Thank you. Thank you. Well, Bill, you've been very quiet. Bill, I know you're on the line. You've been very quiet. Well, you know, I've been sending out uh, invitations for people to join this live show right now. And uh, we've got a couple of responses, including Nancy, of course. But, um, you know, it's it, it's amazing how difficult it is to get people to, to come uh, on the show either as a guest, which is why we're doing this show, since we didn't have a guest today, or, you know, or however, or just a, a participant on a panel. Um, I think it's because when I put out the, the notices, I'm putting, I'm putting them out in my own name. And uh, I, I have, I mean, uh, Facebook has a way of identifying you with certain people that it thinks are your friends, and that's it. It doesn't go further than that. I think I've been sending to the same group over and over and over, so we kind of saturated that group. So you need to come up with some different ways of reaching newer people. But... Um, you know, we now have somebody for Wednesday, thanks to Nancy, so uh, this will be the one discussion show for the week, and that's great. You know, if we had one a week, it wouldn't kill us. You know? And by the way, I need to say while I have the host, the three of you on, you're doing a great job with this format, the discussion show question and answer format. And I don't think people object to it at all, uh, but we got to get them to listen a little more, but that's okay. I think it's going really well, and not that I, it's not our choice, but when we need to, hey, we've got this, and it's really working. So anyway, that's my, that would be my comment, um, Penelope. I was thinking about letting you know all that in the background anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Thank you, Bill. You're welcome. And by the way, you know, people should know you don't have to um, – come in on an exact place uh, with this um, with this format. You come in wherever you are, and you can listen for a couple of minutes and then bring up your own thought. You know, it's the topics are fluid, so it's not a one-topic thing. It may be a one-topic thing for four or five comments, and then it can change to another topic. And believe me, when you do this sort of show, because we've done them multiple times now, you can get on the show, you can get included in the show like six, seven, eight topics and everybody can participate. Everybody can answer them or speak to them. So, you know, that's another thing to consider. You don't, don't, I don't want people to think like they have to be up to speed 
you know, like Nancy said, you don't have to be up to speed. Just, you know, listen for a couple comments and then just either join in or if it sounds like the comments have subsided, then you can bring up your own, you know, perspective or your own question or your own comment. That's how I, that's how I think it should work anyway. Well, thank you. And I You're think welcome. it's a great, a great, you know, absolutely, you know, great reminder that being in jumping on the panel on one of our shows, and as we mentioned, we have shows five nights a week. That's five nights a week from 8 to 9.30 Eastern Standard Time, which I think is so great because any night of the week, if you, you know, have something that's come up during the day that you want to call in or you just want to connect with fellow uh, NASCA family members, um, and we also have, um, as you know, a Zoom recovery groups three times a week, but so there's a lot of opportunity. But I just think it's so great that every night that you can rely upon the fact that NASCA is going to be there. And if you want to call in, you want to connect, you just want to listen in, and you want to just know that you're not alone, NASCA is there. So it doesn't need to be the full 90 minutes. If you can call in for 15 minutes or 20 minutes, you just want to, you know, you just want a touch point. It's there. So thank you. I think that's a great point, Bill. Um, and I love the fact that I know. I know. It's even if I'm not on, you know, if I don't call in all the time on nights when I'm not hosting. I, I do think of it, though, it's there for me. You know, NASCA has been there for a long time. And NASCA is going to be around for a long time in the future. And as you know from the scan number tonight, 3,126 plus the shows we did before they were called SCAN. There are over 4,000 shows under NASCA's belt. So NASCA's been around for a long time, and they're going to be around for a long time, and there's a commitment there. There's a place for us to go on live every, practically every day of the week. I mean, the only day is Saturday because there is a group recovery on Sundays. So um, NASCA's there for everyone um, whenever, whenever it's needed, and I just think that's amazing. So it doesn't need to be the full 90 minutes if you want to participate on one of the shows on the panel. It can be for just 20 or a few minutes. Um, but the community is there, and that's the point. The community is there and accessible. So I actually, now that, Bill, you said to bring up a topic, I actually have a topic. I had an experience about a week ago, and sometimes I feel like, you know, I've been in this recovery thing for quite a while. You know, I've been on my recovery. I, why am I struggling with this? But then I remind myself, okay, be gentle with yourself. There are going to be things that you just come at you that take you by surprise. So I'd like to run something by everyone, if that's okay. Um, our church has an annual fundraiser, and it's, it's a really big fundraiser for the church. Um, it's our Greek festival and it's just the one fundraiser. It's a huge event. It's over a weekend. It's very widely broadcasted. You have people coming from everywhere to attend. So as a member of the church, one of the ways that we can give back is to donate our time. So I signed up to um, work at the festival. In Now, this was not by my choice. These were the only slots on the side of Genius that were still available on the days I could work was at the was to work in the bar, okay? In the bar selling beer and wine. 
so um, I'm with my husband. My husband and I are working in this bar, um, in this tent at the Greek festival, and there are other volunteers from the church working as well. And um, I'm an hour into my shift, and there's a woman, and she's kind of bossy. And I'm helping a customer, and she abruptly interrupts me, and she shuts me down. And the customer was asking what types of wine we had, and there was no one else in line behind the customer. So I was explaining the different kind of wines. Anyway, this woman just shut me down. She, ver- she just told me, she stopped me. She's like, you're not going to have time to explain. Just give her the wine and call it a day. I mean, she just was bossy. And I was sort of, I was just surprised and taken aback. I just wasn't expecting to be admonished by a fellow volunteer as I'm just pouring a glass of wine or answering a question. So I was a little taken aback, and I just sort of nodded my head and decided to just continue working on my shift. And a a couple minutes later, and there was a line starting to form at the bar, the same woman who was volunteering right beside me shoved me forcefully out of her way because she needed to get to the cash register. So I didn't see it coming. Some, I'm helping, and some, I am physically manhandled and shoved. And she was probably, she was obviously flustered because we were getting busy. So she pushed me, she shoved me. And of course, as you know, for a trigger to actually be shoved by someone and not expecting it, I was okay. After that happened, I was triggered and I was on high alert. And I turned to her and I said, I looked at her and I said, do not touch me. Do not push me. I do not like being touched or pushed. You can ask me to move out of your way. So I'm already triggered. And she just looked at me and she nodded. Not a minute later, and now there are a bunch of people in line. She screams at me at the top of her lungs. Since you don't want to be pushed, you don't want me to touch you, move. So she decides, since she can't physically push me, she's going to verbally oh berate gosh. me. And at that point, I just knew, okay, this woman's ab- abusive. She's a bully. So here was my, so I knew I was triggered. That was not what I what was my what why what what came, how now I'm already getting flustered right talk about dissociation it wasn't that I knew that this woman was a bully at at best abusive probably is a more accurate description I knew I was triggered that that was not in question what I struggled with was I'm here to serve my church this is the long shift of me to contribute my time back to help my to help my organization. Do I abandon ship and leave? We discussed this, right? Like, what do you do when you're triggered? You just, you just leave the situation. Do I leave or do I stay? Do I stay? And, and I know that, you know, this conduct from this person is going to continue so that I can fulfill my obligation or do I leave? You know, so I was really torn. I was really torn. And 
I stood there for about two minutes, like, and, and, and you will all be able to resonate with this. I stood there for two minutes completely, completely triggered, you know, when you're just triggered. Um, and I was just, my body was just in fight or flight mode. And I was just, you know, in that space. But in my head, I was going back and forth. And I ultimately, I looked at my husband. And he had seen what, and I said, I'm leaving. I'm leaving. And I left. I left. But I left with guilt. Not because I would, didn't do the right thing for me, but that I didn't fulfill the rest of my, you know, I had served two of a, two hours in an eight-hour shift to contribute my, you know, my time to the church. So anyway, I struggled with that. So I oh, just, yeah. you know. Was she like that with your husband at all? She was. She was. And so my husband was decided she? to stay. Mm-hmm. And my husband decided to stay. And he understood. He knew exactly why I left. He, 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 he gave me, I mean, he encouraged me to leave. He knew exactly, you know, that I was mis- maltreated. He knew exactly that I wasn't going to put up with it, that I wasn't going to stand for it, that I wasn't going to let somebody, you know, do that to me. So for the rest of the yeah, year, he decided he was just going to challenge her back. So she would scream at him, and he would just, he would just, you know, ignore her and walk the other way, you know. She would try and, you know, push him and he he's six three. He would just look he would stare her down, right? But um so he decided the way he was gonna handle it was just gonna come face to face with her. And um, you know, my my own my own uh policy with my own self is to say I've you know, I don't need to fight any more battles in my life, you know. I don't need to you know, I don't need to get back in the ring with anybody. I've been in the ring, and I choose not to be in the ring, so I'm going to just leave. He chose to stay in the ring. And so he said for the next six hours or whatever it was, he just faced off with her, you know, and he just thought he was fine <laughs> doing it. And she never relented, and neither did he, but I, that is not something that I would do. You know, I would not, that would not be for me, do one trigger right after the other. to answer your question, he she never relented. That'd be too she much never, for me. <laughs> you know, I'm sorry. Would you say both? That would be too. That would be too much for me. I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not, not, to be serious, though, I would rather walk away than be in a confrontation, and I do that, you know, fairly often. Other times, my mm-hmm. you know my back gets up, and uh, you know, I I I fight a bit. I mean, I'm not really comfortable doing it, but. I do fight a bit, for, especially if I'm defending something that I think is worth defending. Uh, on the other hand, I remember in one of my men's groups years and years ago that that's the way to do it, but only if there's no other choice. In other words, we had a discussion where we were talking about retaliating against somebody else and so forth, and and somebody made the point that if you have, if you're walking with your girlfriend on the sidewalk and somebody comes up to you and they're in there, you know, they're attacking. He said, it's okay to defend your, your girlfriend. It's not okay to uh, attack the man. 
you know, it's just it could be the same uh, action that you take, but it depends on the 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 meaning behind it, the reason that you're doing it. That'll affect you. So you can attack. You can't attack the man, but you can defend the girl like that. And that's how I feel mm-hmm. about you know people that are um, that are aggressive. And I don't. I'm not an aggressive person, you know. But I'm a I'm a steadfast kind of person, as you guys know. Um, and I'll do the best I can, but not at, not at everybody else's expense, of course. I won't sit by and watch a group of people get beat up or bullied ever. I'll I'll jump in somehow, or, or I'll I'll take the burden on myself to talk to the person and get their attention away from the group and onto me. <laughs> I've done that a bunch of times. <laughs> uh, so anyway, thank you for letting me interrupt. Um, no, you weren't interrupting. I just, you know, thank you for letting me share that experience. And and I just, like I said, I, I felt I was torn because I was there to serve and give back, you know, my one opportunity for the for the year to really, which is where they, you know, they call in all all of the members of the church to, to donate their time to help make the event a success. And it's the only, you know, fundraiser for the year. So I did have Thanks. guilt and that I was cutting my cutting my obligation short, um, so it was really a you know I had to call putting my own wellness in front you know and making it paramount, and I felt some guilt over that because this is my church you know this is the church, so I was very conflicted, but ultimately you know I I, I just knew that I couldn't stay in that situation. Um, this is you know I thought this and. I'm not, you know, I wasn't going to change her behavior in a six-hour shift. She was definitely, her patterns and her bullying and her abuse, it was very, you know, ingrained in her. Um, it was what I what was I going to do if I couldn't change, like Kim had said earlier, I can't change her behavior. I have to, I have to just, you know, make my own decisions for myself, and I can only change how I react to it. So that's where, for me, healing gets. It's not. It's 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 not a cookie cutter. It's it's not a cookie cutter. I mean, for me, situ. It's, it's sometimes it is situational and it's not fluid. Can I say something? Yes. Mhm. I honestly, I would probably have done the same thing. Um, either I would report her to one of the supervisors because if she's doing that to you, who else is she doing that to? Uh, Or I would just leave. So I would have done that. And it's it's normal that you feel guilty because you have a big heart and your heart was in the right place. You had good intentions. You were trying to help the organization, all of that. But, you know, you have to save yourself first, especially if you triggered you you know, you don't want to have yourself have a nervous breakdown, react the wrong way. Um, you did the right thing. So, you know, you don't have to feel guilty. You have to be, like you said, you have to, at the beginning, I have to remind myself to be gentle with myself. You definitely have to remind yourself to be gentle with yourself. You would never treat anybody like that. That was very disrespectful. And I would have either reported her to someone to let them know, like, how highly abusive she, she just behaved, 
uh, and hopefully they would have pulled her aside and put her in another area. Because I don't believe that she was there even from the beginning of working. She came over after being mean. But if not, then I would have just removed myself. What we teach, that's what we talk about, the importance of putting ourselves first. I still struggle with that. I have a big heart, so I love people. I have a lot of people that test me. I don't know why. Sometimes you just meet these bullies, but I'm glad you stood your ground to protect your own self first. That was important. Thank you, Nancy. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't you think know. you were wrong. Thank you. I just said I don't think you were wrong. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. And actually, I did think, you know, Philip, we were talking about sometimes, you know, there are things that are really hard to do, but then I have to remind myself that if it's hard, it's gross. Because I don't think, you know, 10 years ago that I would have left my shift, that I would have just, you know, I wouldn't have known how to stand up to the bully. So I would have just put up with, you know, four more hours of that type of treatment and then, you know, triggers in response to it. Um, I would not have, as Nancy said, you know, put myself first, made that tough decision in the self-care to just say, I'm not, I'm not going to, I don't have to stay in, in the situation. And um, if you've ever been, if you've ever been to a Greek festival, by the way, um, they're really fun and there's a lot of people and there's a lot of activity and kind of the way it is in Greece. There's no one in charge and everything's loosey-goosey. So I did, I actually tried to find someone in charge and I tried to walk around and see if I could help. And it was just mass chaos. Like I couldn't, I couldn't find anybody because I was concerned about her as well. Um, and I couldn't find anybody that I could go talk to. I couldn't, I just, it was a madhouse there. So I did a few circles and then I just, you know, I wasn't needed anywhere else. They were statue with volunteers and it, it was for the first night. So I did just leave. But um, that being said, it was hard. And so it was hard. So that was growth. That was progress for me. And, um, and second of all, I just want to say, if there's ever a Greek festival where you live and they're all, you know, most Greek churches have them once a year. Don't dissuade. Don't have this dissuade you from going. They're actually a lot of fun and they're really good food. Not everybody is, is there there that works, you know, is you know a bully. But um, anyway, so I was just gonna say, I don't want to discourage anybody from going to a Greek festival should they come across one. But um, but my Go for the food, was, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Go for the food. But it was pro- for me that was progress because about five years ago, maybe seven years ago, I would not have left. I would have just, yeah. I would have just withstood it. So, so thank you for having me see that. Didn't you? <laughs> yeah. That, didn't you have to also um, take a class or something to serve the beer on the wine? Well. Um, <laughs> they no. didn't make you do that. <laughs> they do that in Colorado. No. Yeah, even if you're yeah, just you, helping out, like a. Yeah. Oh, I know what you mean, and I, I know what you mean, and no, they didn't. 
um, my kids how to do that to, to do that in um, California, but no, and in Washington. But here they I don't know why they didn't. Maybe Florida thing, but I didn't need to 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 have anything, any special class or any special certificate. I just it was just show up. The alcohol flows free there <laughs> in the church in Florida. <laughs> That's funny. Exactly. That's what surprised me at first was that you even were doing it at a church. I was like, really? I don't think I've ever been to a church function that had alcohol in it ever. Unless it's not Catholic, know. then. Uh, that, well, that's true. true. No, I'm not Catholic. Exactly. <laughs> that's true. You guys exactly. have real wine. Me neither. You guys have the real stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. No, we had grape juice. That's what we had. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I need to check out one of the three quests. Yeah. Sounds like fun, huh? They really are. They really are a lot of fun. The food is really, really good. It is really good. Um, so. We have a lot of festivities and things to do and like carnivals type things. That's what they do. Yeah, they do. It's just, it's like cultural. So there's a lot of Greek dancing. And like, if you like Greek food, there's, it's every kind imaginable, you know, gyros and, um, you know, shish kebabs and um, sambuca. You know, all the Greek. Pardon me. <laughs> sambuca, right? Um, is, that, is that what it's called? I'm sorry, maybe I'm. Um, Dubaki. Dubaki. No, no, the, the, there's a drink, the traditional drink that Greeks have. Oh, I, I, Uzo. I thought... Uzo. Hmm? Uzo. Oh, Uzo. Um, okay, maybe so. Yeah. Uzo. Okay. And Metoxa. And, Metoxa. Um, gotcha. and I just happened to do all these because I was serving them in the bar, by the way. It's not like I drink them every night yeah. or have them. Oh, yeah. Right. But, uh, no, yeah. So, Metoxa and Uzo. No, I'm kidding. Uh, um, yeah. You were trying uh, them all before you started that, weren't you, Penelope? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Exactly. You're just giving <laughs> <up>. Which, <laughs> Maybe I should have. Maybe I should have. So I could have been at least a little. <laughs> yeah, it might have gone a little different. <laughs> might have gone a little more smoothly. Um, actually, I don't know if you've ever had. I just don't like that stuff at all. I don't know. Maybe some people like 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 the Uzo stuff, but it's not my it's not my thing. Um, triggers for me, you know, they just. They happen, you know, they, they're just, it's part of just what I said earlier for me. Um, I, I can, if I expected myself to be fully recovered or over like a certain trigger that I would be setting myself up for disappointment, you know, for failure. Um, I just, for me, that was an unreal, I, I don't think that was self-loving, you know. Maybe, maybe certain triggers one day, you know, they will be triggers one day and then those triggers will dissipate and maybe they'll disappear, um, the specific ones. And maybe they won't. But I think if I expect that I will never be triggered, um, I, I don't, I'm realistic. And like I said, setting myself up for failure. It's just accepting them and learning to manage them and what to do about them. Um, but, but for me, it's just part of the journey, you know. 
um, it, it, I can't expect them to go away. To go away, I just have to be uh, equipped to manage them. And um, that was just an example that I gave of, of having a very recent, you know, experience with one. And um, and sometimes, it was, for me, that was kind of a big, a big, a big um, instance. Um, and then, you know, and working through it. Um, and as you can see, it's taking me several days, a week, to work through it. To work through it. Okay, so, but again, so I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, go on, please. Sorry. Mm-hmm. So, I was going to say, um, a lot of times. Oh. Go ahead. I was going to say, many times people in church or ministry will say that if you're still being triggered, you're not saved, you're not released from it, you have, you're not healed. But it's not true. Triggers can happen at any point, at any time, whether it's coming against a, a particular um, spirit that reminds you, a familiar spirit, somebody who reminds you of a bully in the past. That behavior was abusive, and it was that of a bully. So if you've experienced that and have trauma from that, it will naturally trigger you. A smell can trigger you. You know, many things can trigger you. So a color can trigger you. Um, So, I mean, it's very natural. It's a very natural thing. We don't have to feel guilty about it. And I think what Ms. Penelope said to focus on becoming equipped and learning how to manage your triggers is very important because triggers may come. I mean, that's just part of the recovery journey. It doesn't matter how much education, how much training, and how prepared we think we are to deal with triggers, they can still happen. And it's the best, all we can do is do the best that we can do by preparing ourselves when those times arise or if they arise, being prepared. So reassuring. Very, you know, it's reassuring. And you said it somewhere eloquently than I, than, than I did um, or tried to do. But, um, and especially thank you for saying that, you know, there is a thought out there. There is, a, you know, a line of thought that, you know, you'll be healed, right, and your triggers will be gone. Or you'll be healed from this or you'll be healed from that. And, um, and if you're not, you know, if you're getting triggered by something that you're, you have more work to do or you have, you're not complete, you're not healed. That's, you know, I, so thank you for saying triggers are going to come. And it's not an indication of where you are in your recovery, you know. It's not... I don't like to label myself as good or bad, healed or not healed. You know, you've done good work or you have more work to do. I, I think it's just, it's more fluid. It's just, you know, what you said. To wrap your brain around the fact it's that so true. you need the tools to manage through them. So thank you. Because I get triggered when someone says, well, I'm completely healed. That's just all my past. I'm just done. I'm healed. Gold star. Well, okay. I guess I'm not, right? Yeah. Yeah, that is uh, something that bothers some of us. It does bother me to a degree, but I've stopped fighting it. I mean, I don't care how they describe themselves. You know, 
Uh, I don't describe myself like that, and I know you don't either, Penelope, but, you know, because I think I think it's always, you know, there's always more progress to make. I'm not a perfect man. I never will be. Not even close. You know, uh, so I have I have more growing to do and more uh, more to more to uh, you know more to contribute to the community that I that the communities m- multiple communities that I live in and that I partic- I try to participate in. So I, I understand what you're saying, Kimberly or Penelope. Yeah. Well, and I think that even there's a a high chance that people who don't have past trauma could be triggered. I mean, you know, oh, there's, yeah. we all have irritations. We all have, you know, things that people that we don't necessarily click with real well. And, and sometimes that's from the very beginning and you don't even know why. It's just the way it is. So, yeah. Speaking that your point. we're all on this, human experience together and <laughs> we've all got our our stuff that we're going through. So we're all on a different journey. Right. I could have said it better myself. Well, I just want to thank everyone for calling into the show tonight and it's been a great great show so i wish to thank um kim my co-host philip um thank you for calling in philip bill and nancy thank you so much what a great show we had and as i always say as i sign off from these shows there are enough adult eyes and ears in this world to keep every single one of our children safe if you see something you hear something Please say something or do something. It's our responsibility to take action and keep our children safe. Thank you all and good night. Thank you. Good night. Good night. Good night now. God bless. Good night. Love Talk Radio. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.